1: Good Friday afternoon. Really nice to be here with you. I'm Nadine Blaney and on behalf of everyone here at Ausbiz, welcome to the call. 10 stocks picked by you, two expert guests, 60 minutes in total. Let's get cracking, shall we? Claude Walker from A Rich Life, Luke Winchester from Meriwether Capital are joining us. Claude, busy time of year, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, had have, Having a lot of companies report in the last few days. So, I apologize if I'm not quite as eloquent as usual.
1: No, we got you covered. And thank you for joining us. Thank you, Luke, for making time with us as well, because no rest for the wicked. You came off of four C's and now you're right into earnings season. Um, Lots of research, but it's an exciting time, isn't it, Luke?
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, um, you know, at the end of the day, the share price is the ongoing scorecard for what we do to Dean. But when you're investing beyond a share price, you know, you get that six monthly check on the financial health of a business. So always exciting when it comes around. And um, always exciting when you get a reporting season where you see some real volatility. Mm. I mean, um, you know, there'd be a dozen or more names that have moved 10, 10 plus percent either way on on results, which when you think about it, probably shouldn't happen, but, you know, markets should be more efficient than that. But here we are.
1: Yeah, well, I was going to say, don't give it all away because uh, we'll get yeah. to stock of the day in just a moment. All right. Company that did report, RPM Global, RUL. I know you guys are a it, so looking forward to getting your view. We've got Aurora Biosurgery, ARX, REA Group, Warley and ResMed so a few big caps in here as well these guys are multi talented so don't worry we've got some really good analysis to back it up. But the stock of the day, I had to pick it, I'm sorry, but it was ProMedicus. It has been downgraded to a sell from hold by Bell Potter. It says that there was hardly a gap between ProMedicus's first half revenues and market expectations, but the broker is highlighting that a deeper dive into the details has revealed, in its view, softer than expected growth in exam revenues being offset by once-off hardware sales. It points to underlying revenue growth coming in at 24% only, it says, signaling serious slowing of the pace in comparison with the years prior. It says that not helping is the observation that operating expenses grew faster than revenues, something not witnessed in a long time. Now, we'll be speaking with ProMedica CEO Sam Hubert off the back of those results. That's at about 3.20 p.m. Eastern right here on AusBiz. So, Luke, Claude, a company that you and I have had a chance to speak of many times in the past. Claude, uh, what do you make of Bell Potter's assessment? Pretty negative, downgrading the company, although I will note maintaining its price target at $75 per share. Well, uh, that
0: that's right. Uh, the, it's fair to say ProMedica stock has now entered the realm of, oh, it's trading relative to the expectations and what people said before, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, look, people think that, you know, it's a negative report, but I say, uh, look, even if they do think that this stock is worth $75, uh, that's a pretty high valuation uh, and a pretty high PE ratio. And I think it's more, it's not so much a matter of uh, Prometicus has really done anything wrong. It's just that the share price was too high previously. Like I've I've come on here, we've talked about it recently. And I've of course said, yes, I'm a long-term shareholder in this company that means i don't always sell it just because the share price gets overvalued why well i've done that a lot of times and mostly it has turned out to be in fact i think it's always turned out to be the wrong decision and sometimes you know i would be retired if i hadn't made that wrong decision so yes sometimes the stock is going to get overvalued and it just becomes this momentum play so you know what we've seen previously and i think Bell Potter is kind of reacting to this. So I don't really disagree with them that much. Like it it sounds negative when they say sell, but that's the difference between me and them. They say, Oh, the price is $94 and we think it's worth $75. So sell it. And it's like, okay, but I don't trade that way. And also I don't believe I'm that good at being able to pick the market that I, that I should trade around a 10, 15% kind of difference of value versus a price target. So it's just a totally different path. Brokers love to get people to trade. Buy it now, sell it now, hold it now. Buy now, sell, sell. That that's how they make money off their customer. Um, I'm more in the business of uh, trying to identify uh, a long-term business that is going to compound um, excessively o- over many years. And you know, Promedicus these results were still record results. If you go back to the to the FY 2023 results, I wrote an article saying you know, Promedicus share price soars on. Record results, and and I said in that article, oh, it's seventy five. It was actually seventy five dollars back then, and I was like, you know, I'm holding on, but I'm not buying at seventy five dollars then either. And then it just so happened the share price ran all the way up to one hundred and ten dollars, probably mostly out of the fact that we've been having this incredible AI hype that has been driving many stocks around the world, not just in Australia. And so I think there was probably like a lot of hot money that jumped in on the stock because it actually does have some oblique. Um, AI angle there of course I do think that the AI angle is a, an absolute potential thing but again uh Potter is not that unreasonable when they say we um you know we remain highly skeptical regarding the short-term earnings potential from AI applications across the radio set radiology sector and PME alike absolutely fair, like nobody in their right mind would expect we're going to get 10 million of AI revenue from uh, ProMedicus anytime soon. I think that we're already deep in the future when we're talking about that kind of thing. And that's matters with ProMedicus, because of course, to justify their valuation, this needs to be a company that does have a deep, long, uh, amazing future. And, And until proven otherwise, I think that could still occur. So notwithstanding the fact that you may very well argue that the share prices run, run ahead of itself, I will continue to personally hold shares in this company. And I'm much more interested in, does it ever get overselled down to a cheap price? Um, because the last time I bought, I looked up at it and it was about $28 something. And um, it felt so expensive then when I was buying it back then. So, and obviously my buy price is much higher than that now that I would buy it at, uh, but we're not there yet. So for me, it's still a hold.
1: Got it, thank you. Luke PME, you've had to put your mind to it. Of course, when the share price falls, everybody says, "What's wrong with that result? That must have been a bad result." In your view, was it?
2: Yeah, I was. I was going to say, if there's any fears that Claude wasn't going to be eloquent today, that's been put to rest because <laughs> I sat here nodding my head to that that whole uh, that whole speech. Um, look, it's it's pure um, time frame divergence, the um, dean. Bell Potter and every other broker gives a price target over a 12 month time frame, and I don't think any of us could have sat here over the last uh, maybe two or three. years years and came to a really good case that on a 12 month valuation promedicus looked reasonable i think the last time we spoke about it I, I made that point that you were you were having to bake in i estimate somewhere like 5 to 10 years of steady growth to get to today's valuation um, but of course, I, I think you're very fair, and, and in Claude's um, position, you know, uh, owning the company, um, to back management to do that, they've got the track record of doing it. They've got the contract backlogs in place. I, I think it's all it's all very reasonable from that point of view. Um, I agree with his point that I think Pro medicus particularly over the last couple of months, um, became almost a proxy for the U.S. tech trade. So you know, when the Nasdaq's doing well, and Aussie investors look towards, well, where's our tech scene, and 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 you know, um, those companies to to follow. Their them, realistically, Altium, Wise tech prometicus so the large cap tech that you turn to. So, you know, I, I think you look at the business and the results, I found nothing that I could really critique the the, the business about. If anything, Bell Pot has scratched at the one thing, which was that incremental margins were largely flat. So, uh, you know, but again, we're talking about net margins of 36%. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna wrap the knuckles of of Sam and the team for for maintaining a margin that high. So. I've said hold on this business for quite a while in, in agreement with Claude. Um, unfortunately, I've, I haven't been there uh, for the journey with him. But, um, yeah, look, this potentially provides an opportunity for people like Claude who, who have a longer term time frame on, on a pullback like this. Um, as for an exact price, again, you have to sort of crunch your own numbers and, and get some comfort over that longer term. Uh, but let's say hold for the program.
1: Got it. Thank you. Now, just we're speaking with um, Sam Humphrey later today. Just very oh. quickly. One question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Did we, did we have that chart about the, yeah. the PME overseas revenue? I'd just love to just say that because it's a key metric that I, uh, that I yep, follow. we've got so that. I'm we can bring what, that up. Uh, anyway, so essentially what this chart is going to show is that, um, you know, the half on half revenue growth has slowed down in the most recent half, but it does that. It bounces around over time. So. Uh, for that reason I just contextualized. there we have it so that the line is the growth rate itself the half on half growth rate and you can see that that went down um and w- with re- and and that just happens sometimes so so we would be hoping to see that go up in the next half and then you know the final point I made is regarding the margins The second half of last year had exceptional margins, so I was kind of expecting them to come down. But in hindsight, you know, some other people were expecting them to stay at those record levels half on half, even though the first half always has lower margins due to the high RSNA conference cost, Mm -hmm. not always, but almost always.
1: All right, guys, look, um, I love to keep talking. We could keep talking about PME. We know you can, but um, yeah, Claude, it is a time to move on. A quarter, anyway. yeah, we're about a quarter of the way through the show. So that's a hold for the stock of the day, which is Prometicus. Thank you for bringing up to that. And I will give you a plug, Claude, A Rich Life. Uh, Claude has just published his really in-depth view on Prometicus's results. If that wasn't, by chance, enough for you. Okay, let's get to these companies that we are keeping an eye on. And that is, on behalf of David, RPM Global, RUL, look us. I've been on Twitter, guys. I've seen a lot of the controversy around results coming through from RPM Global, and I guess it's like it's it's choosy accounting. Is that a way to put it, Luke?
2: Oh, uh, look, the the accounting's the accounting, um, and but as investors, we have to pass through that, Nadine, and, and figure out what really matters for the business. So, yeah, you're referring to to, to my tweet um, last night, and, and to be fair, Claude correctly pulled me up, I, I was was mistaken somewhat, but I think the company still probably deserves a little bit of criticism um, around the disclosure of some one-off payments and, and sort of, you know, the difference between what's that one-off income versus recurring. And because at the end of the day, it's that recurring in- income we really want to see as investors. Um, but look, nonetheless, and I made this comment as well, that um, uh, putting that to the side or even better, you know, making the adjustments as investors for the things that we want to track and follow, I thought this was still a really good result from RPM. Um, Price is off a little bit today. It's it's had a bit of a run like Prometicus, and maybe you could make the argument it's sort of um, missed those slightly elevated expectations. Um, But on my numbers, even if you strip out the the one-off sort of sugar hit they got from um, a a licensed sale, or a handback of a license sale, I should say. Um, you know, still 30% EBITDA growth, which which normal out, normalizes out some other stuff. Um, the subscription income fell half on half, but again, there was a one-off um, sort of impact to that, which I, Claude and I jumped on the call. And I thought there's a good explanation for it, but it's more just... You know, Rather not have to sit on a call to get that explanation and the colour behind it, but strip that out and and, and you know half on half growth was uh, you know somewhere around high single digits. So I think the thesis is still intact. Claude and I have both been positive on this one in the past. Had a bit of a run, but I think this this result um, you know came through enough to me to sort of back up the valuation and the run it's had. Um, so I'm I'm happy. I've, I've had it a buy in the past, and, and I'm happy to to keep it as a buy. I think um, these guys are still kicking goals and going in the right direction. Hopefully clean up some of that disclosure, which um, I'm sure they will over time
1: there you go uh, claude are you well? um what do you think of it and n- now that we've got more light on the company and its operations through its result
0: yeah great so i own this one and overall i definitely think the key metric that you want to be seeing here is the or the profit before tax getting that operating leverage And we are seeing that even so they did gain a a 3.1 million kind of you could think of it as a bit of a bonus win uh, that affected this result. So they had a very strong profit before tax of uh, almost uh, 6.8. They had 6.8 million uh, in this half. Now, you could argue 3.1 million of that uh, is, is, you know, not necessarily going to be recurring but even if you back that out it was still better than the immediately preceding um half so i think we're still getting the operating leverage come through and it's definitely better than the pcp as well so um in fact more than double that and we generally do see a stronger second half from this company so uh overall, I would say that the, on the absolute key metrics, uh, that's great. And on top of that, I would say that the one positive that came out of the call, not the one positive, actually, it was very positive they actually did an earnings call this time. But one very good positive comment the CEO made is that uh, he definitely understands that, uh, you know, there's real value in just growing and focusing on growing earnings per share. You know, he mentioned that he's sort of proud that the buybacks also boosting earnings per share. And if he keeps on that. If the if the company keeps on that and just says oh we're gonna in, we're just gonna increase earnings per share as much as we can we're gonna do operating leverage we're gonna do buybacks how can we get it up uh, then I think that then I think the future is brighter having said that I would say you know there was a real negative in the fact that in this result um, I don't know if we can get that chart up now for the RUL one that we saw briefly before but yeah. Uh, what you'll see is that uh, the software revenue went up um, very strongly, thanks to this bonus 3.1 million, um, and the advisory revenue was quite strong as well. But uh, the pink line, which I'm hoping we're going to see soon, uh, which is the pure subscription license revenue, that was down half on half. Now the re- and this is the first time we've seen this in quite a few years, and 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 kind of does question. You you want to question the thesis when you see that. Now, the reason for uh, this uh, reduction was that 2.4 million um, of subscription revenue was moved from FY uh, 2024 to FY 2023. Now, if we adjust for that and assume it would have got 1.2 million of that in this half, then basically you would still just have a straight line of growth of subscription revenue. So I think on an underlying level, everything's fine. The only problem is that the company didn't disclose this back when it was a good thing for them in FY 2023. They just let it look really, really good in FY 2023 without saying, Hey, this brought forward the money, this brought forward from FY 2024. Now, when it's gone down a bit in in H1 FY 2024, then they've said, Oh, well we had revenue brought forward. So that kind of speaks for itself. And, you know, obviously there's still definite gains that can be made. Uh, in terms of how this company presents itself, because, you know, that's just, um, that's just obviously undermines the idea that they deserve a high multiple if they do things like that. So they should definitely uh, continue to pursue improvement in that regard. And I think if they do, the, the CEO did admit that was a mistake on the call. So if the CEO continues to be like, that's a strength, you can admit a mistake. So if they continue to improve, Then that that the the thesis remains in place. So for me it's still a buy.
1: Okay. So that's a double buy for RPM Global R U L is the ticker code. And sorry we didn't get that chart up for you, um, Claude. It's uh it's in the system somewhere, it's just not working for us. Thank you for sending those through. Um, okay, let's get to the next one. And this is one that we've talked about in the past, but I don't think for a while. So it's Aurora Biosurgery A R X. Phil has said they missed guidance in the quarterly. Is this a worry if I'm a holder for the long term. What do you think, Luke?
2: Um, I think it is a little bit, Phil, and it's the reason why they miss guidance. I mean, you know, companies will go through periods of underperformance or weakness, and it's sort of about as an investor um, digging into the reasons why and trying to look through that if possible. Um, And what sort of alarmed me here was um, primarily Aroa Biosurgery distribute their main product through a a U.S. um, biopharma called Telebio. and to be honest, you know, I've never owned this company, so I've never dug too deep into it. But I've never gone and actually looked at Telebio before. And, and I went and did that after reading this last report um, for the program today and seeing that they were the, the, the root cause of the issue for AROA. Um, and when I looked at, at Telebio, I was pretty alarmed. I mean, normally you have these small biotechs or medtechs partner with a very large distribution company over in the US, and we'll talk about another one later on in the program, Um but Telebio is only a couple of hundred mil um, USD market cap business. Um, its financials are pretty horrendous, to be honest, and there's probably uh, real questions over its uh, its survivability as a business. Um, and so it's no surprise to me seeing the health that Telebio is in. Um, that's now filtering through to Aurora, and it looks like they probably stocked up on um, on a bit too much inventory from Aurora and now having to unwind that. So um, look, that's the negatives. And, and I think you see that in the share price. And, and if you're a shareholder, you've written it down, and, and that has been quite painful. Um, the positives uh, that I would outline, though, is they have other products they're trying to bring to market, and in particular, one of them, you know, it's, it's, it's their own product, their own distribution, and they're seeing some diff, uh, decent traction there with their Myriad product, it's called. Um, so for me, look, I, I'll say a hold just because I, I don't know the business well enough to tell someone to sell it, particularly when you have written it down, and, and there are things to like about it. What I would say to anyone who does hold it, though, is, is – do a bit of work in a telebio and, and try and get comfort around that and, and what that looks like moving forward the relationship with AROA um, but then more importantly is, is really focus on that myriad business. I think that's the key to the business moving forward um, given the potential hiccups they could have with that telebio distribution agreement.
1: Thank you. Hold for AROA Biosurgery, have trouble with that name for some reason. What about you Claude? Um, you know, is this is this just the sign of things to come, or to Phil's point, you know, he's a long-term holder. Like, is there something long-term to like about this business?
0: I think there is something long-term to like about the business, which is that these kind of medical devices uh, companies, once they establish a good user user base, uh, they can usually fetch uh, a pretty good margins, and that's because there's you know, once you sort of get in there, there's usually limited competition. So. There's definitely the possibility for that. I have noticed, though, in this kind of space with the with the general wound care stuff, there does seem to be a fair bit of, uh, if not direct competition, you know, somewhat competition. So I think it might be a little bit more competitive a space than than usual for medical uh, medical devices. And so th- for that reason, uh, I would just be a tiny bit hesitant uh, to probably get too excited about Aroa prior to it actually reaching um, cash flow positivity okay now having having said that it's not far away from that so for that reason i'd actually say a hold as well because it would be a real pity to sell out now when the sentiment is so low um just when it's actually getting close to it so i probably would give it a little longer if i was already in there if as as i'm not a shareholder the the green flag i'd be looking for would be cash flow positive um, and I, but I just do note sentiment is low. I know a couple of very reasonable investors, fund managers who have invested in this stock, been a bit disappointed by the the downgrade, and they're hurting there. So um, smart people think this is a good idea, but they're hurting right now and and not having been rewarded from that. So I say sentiment's quite low. I'd probably just try and ride it out at this point. But yeah, not not getting in now.
1: Yeah, and that that is. That is something that comes down to your overarching investment strategy and philosophy because i will get an email saying look at the chart you know they're crazy you follow the chart you've got to sell but just to put it out there um that's not how you invest correct both of you
0: yeah well right. if
1: i had a well yeah
0: if i had a thesis that had got me into this and that thesis remained in play i would probably just be holding through the pain but i wouldn't be doubling down because obviously some things. You know have not gone Mm -hmm. down to plan and and people have overestimated the stock so um i am be waiting for that break of the like fundamental thesis and i have to say it's just the problem is they're just bouncing around just just below free cash flow and and that's kind of the unfortunate thing but i think they could get up there
1: all right just putting it out there save people time writing me an email about it all right okay let's get to the third stock on the list this is rea group this has been picked by daniel luke rea What do you think? I mean, there's so much going on in terms of housing, um, overall economic, um, you know, indicators, but also, you know, in times of volatility in the housing market, it can be good for these guys. Also keep in mind, REA has that Indian business that it's focused on, so what do you think?
2: Yeah, God's fingers in a few pies across um, property technology and the finance space as well. Um, look, a lot of my comments about ProMedicus can apply here where the valuation to me implies a, a lot of future growth uh, for this business. But you look at the track record of execution, you look at the market position of particularly that core um, and it's, it's hard to argue, you know, modelling out exceptionally strong growth over the next five to ten years. Um, as you said, Nadine, I mean, there's been question marks for a while around RE is what does this look like if we ever do enter a weaker housing market? Um, and not so much from a pricing point of view, that doesn't really affect them too much, but obviously listings and, and, and housing stock turnover. Um, and we sort of went through that weak period and, and they were able to, to sort of keep their profits flat for a couple of years and then explode out of it with this first half reporter's listings normalize a little bit, only up 4% year on year. Uh, But when you pass through a 13% price rise and and sort of flex that muscle you've got as a a dominant marketplace, um, it leads to some pretty good revenue growth. And again, like ProMedicus, you're at scale, there's very little incremental cost below that, and, and you saw really strong filtering down to net profits. So look, trading on about a 100-ish times earnings, 95 to 100, depending on you know, small little ad backs around some of those subsidiaries and, and, and you know what they have to include in their audited accounts. Um, it's expensive, but again, I think if you're a long-term holder or someone who has that long-term vision with their investing, I think it's quite easy to underpin, as I said, five to 10 years of growth here with REA, and that valuation starts to come down to, to to a much more reasonable, maybe 40 to 50 times earnings, which to me, you know, when I would say reasonable in the context of a highly dominant marketplace website. Um, so look, I'll say a hold, but but bear in mind, like Prometicus, that valuation is high. And it doesn't take much of a shock when you're up around that valuation to see that quick 20, 30% pullback. So, you know, don't, don't always expect it to, you know, it won't always go high. Trees don't always grow to the sky in that sense. But um, I think if you've got that genuine long-term vision that you will do okay from REA from here.
1: Got it. Thanks, guys. What about you, Claude? REA Group, would it appeal to you? And, and also, keep in mind, at these levels.
0: Yeah. Look, it's really actually hard to add any differentiation from Luke there. So maybe we can just save some time. I do have something prepared, but look, it's exactly what he said. Uh, it's just another one of those good quality businesses at a high price. Uh, yeah. If you're like a short term or no, it's going to go down ten percent, it totally could. It's on a hundred times earnings. Having said that. It has a unique position of pricing power. Pretty much every house that gets sold in Australia, um, you know, has to go on on that. Like, yeah, it could probably just keep flexing its pricing power for another 10 years. So for that reason, um, yeah, I would just hold on. I wouldn't sell just because it got expensive. You know, everyone's got to manage their own portfolios and everything except just yeah for me i'm going to keep it as a hold as well
1: got it thank you guys okay so that's rea group we've got a solid couple of holds because we are talking about a few quality businesses here today now the next one is Worley Parsons woR this is for Taylor hey Taylor thank you for sending in your request I will just remind you that this is information only this is not a financial advice the guys are not telling you specifically to go out and buy hold or sell anything they're adding their views uh, to the conversation um, which again is information only okay so uh, let's talk Worley. Um, EBS has got a buy on it. So does City. Macquarie's got an outperform on the company. So recently, um, you know, it's talking about a pretty positive FY23, um, you know, the possibility of a pretty solid result coming through. I actually don't think we've heard of, from Worley's just yet. Um, it's an interesting one because Worley, I guess you used to sort of uh think of it in relation to the oil price but it it sort of looked actively to change its business and its exposure do you think that strategy is working claude
0: i i think that just as it's in resources it's always going to have um a cyclical nature to it even if it's like just not entirely on one commodity so you know whether it's it's whatever the commodity um it's still going to be subject to I guess um, various uh, capex and and mining cycles and or research research uh, or oil drilling cycles, et cetera. So if you look at the super long term share price, it's just clearly it's like a clear example. it's not a long term con- compounder, it's a cyclical business. Um, so in order to play cyclical businesses, you have to have a set of i guess macro forecasting skills that i don't really possess nor work on that hard so i for that reason i'm going to have to just be a fence sitter on this one and um and just say hold because i just can't i can't have a view because i just i can never get those cycles reliably right but to me as uh somebody who looks for i guess like idiot stuff that i think is very undervalued um but is a bit weird or else stuff that I think is very high quality, but maybe a bit scarily valued. That's kind of the two main things I go for. And this is in neither of those. So for me, it's kind of a pass. Um, Generally, I'd never buy this stock, uh, but that doesn't mean it's a sell.
1: Okay, would not buy. That's my note. Um, What do you think, Luke, when you look at Worley?
2: No, I, I agree with that. Um, and, and when you look at the last couple of years, Nadine, so this is one that doesn't come up on my radar very often. Um, so, so I go and have a look, $7.6 billion market cap. and the last two years, net income and free cash flow have been sub $200 million. So um, this is not a... You know, a cheap cyclical stock, which, you know, again, spoiler alert, we'll talk about one in the second half. Um, you know, to me, this looks quite expensive. And I think, unless you've got a really good insight and brokers who cover it deeper than I do, and, and you know, fund managers and, and maybe even some retail holders who have been there for a while, um, if you know this stock well, there could be something more. Because I, I did pick up on what you said before. They're clearly diver, diversifying away from just being that oil filled services to some renewable stuff, um, trying to lose, trying to get out of the cyclical more into the maintenance side of, um, revenue as well. Um, so there could be very good reasons why the last two years were sort of put them behind you. And from now moving forward, we think that that's uh, a very different business and a very different earnings profile. Um, but I struggle to see how it gets to a, an area where I'd be comfortable paying the valuation. So as a reference, I mean, this sort of business, I would not want to pay more than 15 to 20 times earnings and closer to the bottom of that range, the better rather than the top. Um, right now, it's you know probably upwards above 30 odd times. Uh, but as you said, We haven't seen them come out in this reporting period. Um, If you're on the sidelines, I'd definitely wait for that because they they did articulate they expect FY24 to look a bit better. So let's wait for this report, see what it looks like, see what the guidance looks like, and maybe we're on the start of that sort of earnings recovery or the trajectory to being a better business. But otherwise, I agree with Claude. I mean not the sort of business I would love to own, but if you were going to look at it, you want that beaten down valuation. I just don't see this here. So I'll say a whole just because I don't know it well enough to tell someone to sell, um, but I didn't see a, a great deal to get enthused about when I looked at Wally and the valuation, I must admit.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. So that's a view, an outsider's perspective, I suppose. Some couple <laughs> guys who don't really look at that space regardless on Worley always has value. All right, let's get to ResMed. Fifth stock picked by Angela saying, I decided to wait until the 29th of Jan for ResMed to report and get some concrete data um, on their after COVID trajectory and early impact of Ozempic and uh, I guess all those weight loss drugs. Since then, she says the price moved up very quickly and I feel like I missed an opportunity here. Is it too late to buy? Oh, that feeling when you think, "Uh oh, I should have backed the truck up, you know, at its previous. Um, quarterly, which was late last year. So what do you think, you know, um, since we have seen a bit of a share price recovery in ResMed, um, is it too late to buy, Claude?
0: Uh, yeah, I think 100% know exactly how you feel. Of course, it happens to all of us. But yes, I think you missed a really cracking opportunity. Um, I wrote an article at the time titled why I like ResMed during the Azempic panic. Um, it It was written when the share price was $24. Um, which was where it got down to like twenty two dollars fifty, actually, is the very low, right? And uh, essentially, the the thesis is very simple: um, the Azempic panic was ridiculous, and the Google Trends for all of those keywords, so Azempic, Wegovi, Semaglutide, they'd all already already peaked um, in September. So when the share price was like bottoming, they already the peak of hype about Azempic had happened. Um so it was just obviously the market has lost its mind people are just absolutely having a ridiculous time of it absolute we see it on AI like we just talked about with Prometheus goes from 75 110 no reason probably going to go back down to 75 here we have Resmed goes from whatever it was 28 30 down to 22 um no no reason and then it's come back up now to almost back where it was prior so I would say, yeah, you kind of have missed that obvious example because even if it went back to where it was prior that, Oh, you'd still get another 20% out of it. So probably the easy money has been made. I'm not chasing it here. As I wrote in that article, like I can't chase every short, uh, short term trade idea that I have when there's a dislocation. Um, so I'm probably not chasing it here, but I would still call it a hold. like if somebody bought in during the recent panic or if they bought it years ago or whatever. It's still a good business. It's still definitely a, a good um, long-term buy and hold option. But we've just we've already had that that precious moment in time when people were like, oh, it's, it's, it's going to be ruined. Um, so we've had that now. I think that's mostly over. And, and so less of an obvious buy opportunity, so just a hold for me.
1: Thank you. Just a hold. You missed the boat. Oh, no. Did she, Luke? Did she really?
2: Um, I do think so from the point of view of the question of if you were going to buy ResMed based on the Ozempic panic. I, I think that's now washed through not just ResMed but the wider market as well. Um, but it's worthwhile considering that, you know, I actually wrote about ResMed in one of my monthly reports despite being a micro cap yeah. fund because I found the whole thing <laughs> so interesting. Um, but it's worth remembering that ResMed hasn't performed very well fundamentally for about a year now. They've had some gross margin issues, top line revenues slowed down. Um, and then Ozempic comes in over the top as this last gut punch to shareholders, and I, I agree with Claude. Became quite irrational, and there was an opportunity there. Um, again, like most large caps, it falls off my radar, of course. And it's not until um, I love coming on the program and getting reminded of these things. I looked at the last quarterly report, and I must admit I wasn't so enthused about it. I, I agree that you know the Ozempic uh, panics now out of the stock, and that the rebound's nice to see. Um, but you know, Resmed still got issues around the gross margin. The sales growth was the lowest it's been in some time, and the big one for me is despite trumpeting some um, growth at the earnings level at a non-GAAP level, there was $64 million of restructuring costs that got excluded out of the business. Now probably genuine i think resmed's got a good management team but I, I i wouldn't quite be sitting back on this last quarter and saying resmed's out of the woods from a fundamental point of view you know we're back on that sort of uh high valuation high growth trajectory we we're on before um i know phillips had some issues and pulled out of the market so there could be some extrapolation there of future growth so um it's, it's a tough one to throw all that into the pot and, and come out with sort of um one answer but i i think it is a hold from the point of view of that that ozempic um Rally is, is is now done and dusted. I don't think you'll see that impact in the stock too much. But if the idea is, do you buy it from here based on what Resmed is today? I'd still need to see you know a couple of quarters of, of better results coming through and cleaner results from that point of view as well, because they've got warranty issues and some restructuring and some other things going on as well. So um, don't yeah, I'm not sure it's completely out of the woods yet, but I I do like the fact the market's over that Ozempic uh, that Ozempic panic that made no sense whatsoever.
1: Okay, so hold. All right, guys, thank you so much. Look, we're already at the halfway mark on a Friday, flying right along. Let's uh, review what we learned. PME, both of my guests still like this company, but it's a hold. Again, it comes down to valuation. Uh, For RUL, it's a double buy. Um, You know, they've had the results, they've looked at the uh, entrails or the insights into the business. And what Claude really likes is that the CEO, and he said this in the call, sees real value in growing earnings per share. All right, uh, next on the list, REA Group. Look, Quality Business, uh, sorry, Aurora Biosurgery. Sorry, that was next. It's a hold for both of my guests. If you have been a shareholder that has suffered, they don't think now is the time to get out. Claude points out that they're nearly cash Flow positive, although, you know, Luke does say that things look like they've gone a bit awry. Um, Let's go to REA. It's a hold for both of my guests. Quality company at a high price. And when it comes to Worley, both of them would pass on this one. They don't see anything particularly to get excited about. Luke, though, would, you know, wait for the result to come out and see whether they are looking forward to an earnings recovery. And ResMed, I'm so sorry. I think it's Angela, because you missed the boat, really, should have been buying back in October. So it's a hold for both of my guests. All right. Let's get across the portfolio. Thanks to the investment committee, which picks companies uh, presented to them by this program and decides whether they want to put it into the AusBiz fantasy portfolio. We got rid of Challenger, Santos was added. Uh, CSL and Macquarie were reduced, and we added to AUB and Karun Energy. Karun actually reports next week, so that'll be an interesting one. Let's see how we're performing, and up 23% on a cumulative return basis since the 1st of March 2022. So this program feeds into it. Let's keep these requests coming. There's a look at the performance overall. All right, we've got a number of interviews coming up. We've got uh, Deterra Royalties for one. Julian Andrews will join us at 310 Eastern right here on OzBiz. A bit of a chatter on Twitter about this one and uh, executive pay and administrative costs as well. So we'll put that to Julian when we speak with him. And, of course, ProMedica Stock of the Day, Sam Huppert will be joining us as well. Coming up in this half hour, McMahon, uh, Spark Technologies, Prophecy, Playside Studios. That'll be an interesting one. And tem Protomics International Laboratories. Interesting. Uh, Sixth stock is McMahon though. This has been picked by John. Um, Guys, I would imagine that this falls out of your wheelhouse as well, but um, thank you for, you know, dusting off your tool chest and taking a look regardless. What do you think of it, Luke McMahon?
2: Um, yes yeah, so this is what I was referencing talking yeah. about Wally before so cyclical capital intensive you're right Nadine it's not the sort of stock that Claude and I run to but look at the end of the day these stocks become screamingly cheap and when I look at McMahon compared to a Wall-E, um, I can't make any real case that that McMahon isn't isn't the the, the former um, so it trades on less than five times um, their their net profit um, forecast to grow this year um, the only thing that I could sort of poke a hole into okay, it's screamingly cheap, but but you know, they, they often are. And so what's the what's the catalyst to become uncheap um, is you want to buy these businesses when they're returning cash to shareholders. Um, and, and McMahon, so about 180 mil free cash last year, but that's before they invested 192 back into equipment and plant and, and capex and so you know it is cheap but you're not quite getting that that you know big capital returns you want to see back to shareholders so i think that's why it's staying down there now look it- even if it maintains that cheap level, they can t- continue to grow the business. They made an acquisition from some of Emeco's assets not too long ago. Um, I, I think there's a, a lot of good reasons to look at this stock, potentially buy this stock if you are that sort of deep value investor who, you know, likes tangible assets and it does trade below its, its net asset value, um, you know, and, and potentially look to, to unlock and, and get that shorter term trade. It's certainly uh, one for the ideas list. But as you said in the intro, for, for Claude and I, we're much more on that long term comp pounding style business which mcmahon doesn't fit in but again i must admit screamingly cheap once you get down to sort of that sub five times earnings there's not many businesses that trade down there for too long which it's either the market's way of saying earnings are coming down or if you can show us a bit more of a track record you usually get somewhere back up towards that seven to ten times so could be one here for shareholders so definitely a hold but as you said just not claude and, and I'll, i won't speak for claude but not my style
1: claude you're rushing out to buy mcmahon because it looks cheap
0: no, Luke can speak for me on this one. <laughs> like I have been and the thing is that I have to mention is I have totally been sucked into buying something super cheap multiple times in my life. And sometimes you get away with it and you get a nice little gain, but then other times, boom, minus 50% in like a day. Um, because if they have like for example, um, an example with McMahon is they had uh 1.9 billion in um revenue and free cash flow of 34.7 million so you can see that free cash flow as a percentage of revenue is way for thin. you know that kind of thing can just absolutely swivel on on um, a little bit of bad news or a contract problem or or whatever it is so yeah just probably going to try and avoid um buying those kind of companies just because yeah it's just so it's so risky and hard to get right so like definitely not the, the sort of the high payoff for your time in spending them, but that doesn't mean it's bad, but it's just definitely not for me. Mm-hmm. And I use too many times I've been sucked in for a low P ratio or whatever, and just, just gotten savage for it. So pretty cautious on that approach.
1: Okay. Thank you guys. Let's get to the next stock on the list. Number seven, which is Spark Technology, SPN from Mick saying, I'd love a view. Uh, The AS company in the sodium ion battery space, lithium is coming off. Yup, price of lithium. Companies are looking at alternatives already. The big one being BYD in China. Uh, They seem to be investing time, money, and effort here. Sparks price seems to have bottomed on the chart. Okay, is this a story stock, Claude?
0: Yes, it is definitely a story stock. It is like the classic high tech, going to save the environment story stock. That I is just like the the same version ten years later of something I invested in when I was 19. Actually, it's more than ten years later, 15 years later.
1: Um, <laughs> We're all getting up there, Claude. All right, let's
0: be <laughs> um, Yeah. So uh, yeah, I totally invested in this kind of company when I was a teenager, and you'd randomly buy it, and I and sometimes the share price would go up, and it can you know go up double, triple, actually six bagged on on my first speculative this is we're talking about spark right not property yet, yeah spark. um and look the there's so many ways to approach this like there's the jargon there's the our activities is you know we got startup ex- funding from a startup accelerator was it that they were talking about um and there's a whole bunch of technical stuff that i that i'm not fully across but it's all very um hard for any retail person to get an edge understanding anyway so i dare say anybody watching this probably be i'd be surprised if there's anyone that really can understand their science or technology or really put any meaningful odds on whether that's going to succeed and be valuable so total speculation similar i would put it in a similar basket as like a cryptocurrency uh probably i'd i'd prefer buy bitcoin than this for sure actually but like i'm talking about some like nft or something um so very speculative you just got to try and my, I definitely are never going to buy this company when it's like this. Um, and if anyone did, I would just say like, make sure that you can think of it as it's, you got your $500 in there. And if you lose money, then that's just going to be mm-hmm. your educational fee.
1: Yeah. All right, Luke, um, it's anything fully speculative. Yeah. Very specky. So any, anything that would, you know, you invest in microcaps. like what is there, if anything in this story that would really excite you?
2: Yeah, look, I agree with Claude. It's speculative, but there's nothing wrong with that as long as you understand that you are speculating and you look for, you know, the qualitative factors because, of course, the numbers aren't there. You know, it's, it's completely pre-revenue. Um, the one thing I did note for shareholders, if you are there, you know, they're, they're doing some green hydrogen stuff and it's a joint venture owned with Fortescue um, Green Metals and the University of Adelaide. So, you know, th- there could be something to that. But again, I agree with Claude. It's speculating. It's It'll be years before any sort of commercialization, And often you see this tech change hands before it reaches the person who has the capital to bring this sort of stuff to market. So um, yeah, look, I I mean, it's a a tricky one, but as long as you understand what you're doing, I think you can can hold this company, but um, nothing more than, as Claude pointed out, just that money that you'd be comfortable to lose.
1: Got, got it. Very specky. Thank you. Thanks for writing in, though. I mean, we're not poo-pooing your ideas out there. This is exactly, I think, what you expect of us, just to be honest about um, how our guests think about these things. All right. The next stock is Prophecy International, PRO. This has been picked by Rebecca. Over to you on this one, Luke.
2: Uh, Yeah, I own this one, of the Capital. So I'll say it's a buy. And and just for um, time, Nadine, I've got a blog post on the website. So direct people there if you want to see some deeper thoughts. But um, look, they had a a trading update um, earlier in the month. um, And so – uh, strong revenue growth, about 30% year on year. And I think what's important, go back to Claude's point on, on RPM Global, is is seeing that scalability fall through. So last couple of halves, their cost base has been around $11.5 million, and they're guided towards about that sort of revenue. So fingers crossed. Look, I'm not expecting them to be profitable just because I'm I'm sure there's been some modest um, cost inflation and just general business growth but you know you want to see hopefully a large step towards that scalability through that break even inflection and then you know hopefully prophecy showed what um, what rpm Global did last year which is once you're through that inflection and you've got that stable cost base that incremental revenue falls quite cleanly and you, and you see some pretty explosive profit growth so um, yeah look I, I think it's one that as I said um, cashed up. Uh, good revenue growth good solid base of revenue now and i think the the important thing is is seeing that inflection point which fingers crossed i think this next report will show us they're they're, they're if not they're pretty close to it
1: okay there you go let's uh, get a view from claude on prophecy
0: S- similar to luke's just uh, probably just a tiny bit more negative the one thing that's kept me out of this one is that so they have two main software products it's like a, there's there's e might and there's a uh, snare and I feel like it's quite possible that uh, it's not the the highest quality software business because um, snare might be something there. Like I think it's kind of a valuable thing, but I don't know, um, you know, if that's going to be able to do enough heavy list lifting to justify the growth. And then e might, I guess my concern is their go to market model, Um, sort of maybe implies that it's unlikely to be sort of a software company that has very high margins and a lot of pricing power, like just perhaps operating in a slightly too competitive, uh, area there. So that's, you know, not all software products are created equal. And sometimes when you have a software company that is operating in a more competitive. Environment. The way that that manifests is that they can get that revenue growth, but they struggle to get that operating leverage and that profit to to come through. And so that's why I would take a. I'm taking a slightly more conservative approach with um with prophecy international, which is basically just sort of say, well, like I just want to wait and see, like can you make profits flow from this uh, e-mite business model in 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 particular, and then. W- I'd probably be more he- interested in jumping on once that started to come through rather than, than getting in ahead of it. So for me, I guess, I guess you'd be like, I, I don't want to get people out of it cause I think it's pretty reasonable. So I just say I have no view.
1: Thank you. No view. Wait a minute. That's not a, that's hmm. not a category. Are <laughs> right, would you right. buy well, it, say, hold it home. or sell it I'd today? Yeah,
0: thank you. <sighs> Yeah, I'd say I'd say hold because it's like a, it's just I couldn't choose between buy and sell basically.
1: Mm, okay, all right, we'll move on from that. I'm giving you a pass because it's reporting season and you're very very busy. Um, but uh, okay, okay, it's a hold because you don't actually have a clear view on what to do with this one.
0: Okay, I need, I need more information, so it just falls into that, you know that. I don't know category. Yeah, basically. so you're so,
1: not the guy to comment, you know, it's fine. You you don't have. I've
0: never been able to crack it. I've never been able to like understand properly, you know, where does E might sit competitively and is it good enough? Okay. And that's always just been my concern. And it's just never gone away yet.
1: Yeah, Luke, and you can't convince him on that one or you're not willing to try?
0: Yeah, what what do you reckon?
2: Uh, look, I mean, I, I fall back to, you know, what sort of customers are you winning and what sort of growth have you done? Um, you know, Emite's won some pretty big blue chip customers that go through um, either competitive tenders or have their their full selection of other software suites. And I think it's grown its ARR from, you know, basically nothing six years ago to, to now um, close on 17 mil. So, yeah, look, I agree with that. Like, it's it's always hard particularly for business-to-business software for us to get a really good view on competitive positioning. So I I sort of, yeah, just fall back to, well, who's buying it and, and, you know, what's the track record being, It's uh, you know, past performance is often the best indication of what they can do.
1: Thank you. Guys, we're gonna move on, go to PlaySide Studios. Ninth on the list, this has been picked by Tony. Um, PlaySide Studios, it's an interesting one. Uh, Luke, what's your view?
2: Um, look, it's done really well, and it's it's a great example of why investing in in small businesses is so difficult. Because you only have to go back six months ago, and PlaySide actually came out and wrote down some of the um, the, the the accrued valuation of their um, games in development uh, back at their FY23 report, um, and the market was was very worried because. This is a, they do some work for higher stuff on the side, but realistically, what you really want to see from this business is driving their own internal games and, and accreting the full margin from that. So, six months ago, you've got management coming out and saying, We're writing off a bunch of the development we've done, and we don't think the commercialization is there for some of these titles we're working on. Um, fast forward to where we are today, and they just had a, a record quarter, which on any sort of critique was absolutely fantastic, generating 11 mil free cash. Um, and you sort of wonder, well, <laughs> you know, six months ago, there were very legitimate worries about where this business was going. And here we are today. It's absolutely flying, and the share price reflects that. Um, my one pause for thought, and it's just, I, I've, actually owned businesses like this in the past when I ran an international portfolio. And that is that mobile game developers are, are so cyclical with what they do. Uh, mobile games, uh, almost by definition, the way they're developed and, and the way that the app stores are run by Google and Apple, um, you constantly need to be finding new games, bringing them to market and having them just become that sort of fad hit. And I think that's what Place I did really well with their dumb ways to die business. Um, and the big question I'd have for them is they don't actually break out their revenue by title and i i suspect that the vast bulk of what they've done is dumb ways to die um, and i'm a gamer oh. Nadine, dean and look i won't profess to to be a mobile gamer um, but i sort of look at that and i wonder what legs are is there to that brand and that and you know wh- where's the next leg of growth coming from when dumb ways to die that that fad inevitably ends as most mobile games do so um look i i fully agree why the market is excited for what they're doing they're cashed up they've got a good pipeline in development and they're executing um for me though i don't own and that's my big question mark is i I don't have that visibility on on, and where does this go over the next few years if if there is some sort of more cyclical stuff to what they're doing
1: okay you've got to give us a pretty quick view on oh so was that a that was a hold
2: yeah i'll say a hold um
1: you got to give us a quick view claude
0: I'll give it a sell purely on valuation, Um, agreeing with what Luke said and commenting that I myself have probably been too skeptical and too harsh on this company in the past, totally agree the last quarter, absolute bumper in terms of going that in that right direction. Slight concerns could the day, Dumb Ways to Die fad sort of fade off from here? I guess we'll find out. So it will be a sell from me, but purely on valuation, with the caveat being I've kind of been wrong before calling it a sell.
1: Yeah, all right. Thank you. Um, we've got some time. Don't worry. We can slow down if we need to. Our tenth stock is proteo- Proteomics International Laboratories. What? PIQ. It's been picked by Darren. It's a He's looking for a small cap with growth potential. He says that it looked okay to him with a new American income source what red flags can't he see claude you're good at red flags. What are they
0: um well i i for me the entire you know existence of <laughs> uh like it being a biotech and and that kind of thing uh or or a mining company or or any of that kind of thing that to me is is something that gives me some concern. Um, but, but rather than talk about, uh, red flags, I would just look, okay. Um, for example, if we want to talk about one recent red flag for, for approach is if I, if I remember correctly, I think it was, uh, just earlier this month, there was a sale of about $2 million worth of shares by a director. So that might be something. Um, and yeah, like overall, it's just, it's just going to be a really speculative, uh, kind of, uh, business for now. And, uh, quite frankly, I'd, i probably prefer, you know, like the last, the last quarterly, what was it? 200, um, thousand receipts from customers. So it, it's just got a lot of work to do. And so for example, like, I mean, I just called Playside a, a sell based on valuation, but that actually it's, yeah, I could totally be just be wrong on the valuation. It's clearly a very interesting business with a lot of growth. Um, so like, all right, if I call that a sell, then this is definitely a sell. Um, probably, if anything, it's like, well, how could I put it in the same bucket as PlaySide? PlaySide's actually got this great growth narrative that could come true. This, it just feels like a, a lottery ticket. You're just waiting to see what happens.
1: Okay, so another specy stock. I mean, you go on its website, it's got uh, the Promarker D, the Promarker Pipeline, but it's still got a lot of, to Claude's point, you know, work ahead of it. It's got to commercialize a test for a... For a diabetic kidney disease pro marker, it's got to research and develop other you know, diagnostic tests. Um, but I guess to answer the question for Darren, you know, would you get in sort of at ground level? Would you be interested in getting in at ground level on something like this, Luke?
2: Well, f- from a speculative point of view, Nadine, the answer is probably yes, because if you look at their their chart of where they're up to, they're about to bring their first product to commercialization. So, you know, the shareholders who have sat there over the last few years as you go through that painful phase, it's the people who come in now that, you know, it, it is actually the right time to speculate, but it is that speculation. We had that conversation with Spark, all those same points, you know, remain here for, for proteomics. Um, one point, though, again, I come back to it, you look for these more qualitative factors because you don't have the numbers. Or the profits uh, revenue coming through. Um, and this is the one when I commented about Auroa partnering with a small US um, firm for their distribution. Um, these guys have Sonic. They just signed an exclusive deal for the US for Sonic Healthcare to distribute their, their diagnostic testing, which, again, Sonic's one of the larger players over there. Um, and it's an interesting sort of qualitative point when you see one of these giant firms, you know, uh, sign that sort of exclusive deal. Now, the potential orange red flags is I on a quick view couldn't see if there's any dollars attached to it or um, you know minimum sales agreements or something like that. So may all come to nothing, but. Nonetheless, I think that's the sort of stuff you look for when you're at this stage of the uh, of the investment. Uh, for people who are a bit beyond the speculative stage, um, you can actually wait to see these businesses um, get some runs on the board before you step in. Like you look at a Neuron ph- Pharmaceutical, a telix as well. Um, you can wait for the first two, three, four quarters of revenue coming in to see how that product's getting traction and still do really well, even from um, the levels where people were a bit more speculative um, at that first commercialization stage. So I'll say a hold just because again, understand. Right now, it's it's speculative, um, but um, this is the sort of one that I think where they are in their timeline and the partnerships they've got. It's it's probably worthy of that. So hold hold for me.
1: Thank you. Hey, you mentioned Nuren. Uh, you might not yes. know the answer to this, but do you know that its share price was down 13% today and then it was placed into a trading halt or a pause in trading? Uh, there's been yeah. no update coming from the company since then. Do you have any no. any um, spidey sense telling you what might be going on, Luke?
2: Well, not a spidey sense, but uh, yeah, I do know the answer. Um, there was a short report out last night against Arcadia Pharmaceuticals. Yeah, who was the distributor of Neuron's main product over right. in the US? So um, I haven't read it myself, because I'm just going off of sort of the, the the tweets that I saw. But um, essentially, the short report is, is claiming that they might have fudged some safety data, and uh, perhaps the drug isn't as um, doesn't have the efficacy that they they sort of purported it to. So pure speculation as most short reports are. It's usually, you know, throw mm-hmm. throw what you can against the wall and see what sticks. Um, but I think... What I would note, I saw people commenting on the Arcadia share price. Um, It's worth keeping in mind that the Neuron product they sell over there is only a a part of their portfolio, whereas it's basically the main revenue for Neuron. So you're more likely to see an outsized reaction for Neuron than what Mm. you might see for Arcadia over in the US on the NASDAQ.
1: Well, I'm glad I asked because I didn't see that um, in my faffing around online today. Um, (laughs) That's why you guys are the experts and we so do appreciate your time. So just let me run you through what you've said in the past half hour Or so, and that was McMahon. Look, neither one of these guys would invest in McMahon, you know, on a good day. Um, But they're saying don't get tricked by thinking that it's just cheap, so therefore good value. Um, Claude calls it risky. Uh, The next one on the list, which was Spark Technologies, um, it's just very, very specky. So if that's what you're into and you're happy to lose money, if that's how it goes, I'm not saying it will, then you know. That's your bag. That's uh, what Claude says, but he would be avoiding it, as would Luke. Okay, Prophecy International. Luke owns it. He would buy it. He um, is pretty uh, keen on it. You can check out the blog on his website, Merryweather Capital. And uh, look, it's a tough nut to crack for Claude. Um, so he is just—he's going to call it a hold. But you heard—you heard the kerfuffle around that as well. All right. Um, Playside Studios. Uh, Claude's been wrong on this one before, but just purely based on valuation, he would sell it. It's a hold um, for Luke. He wonders if just the, the the glow from Dumb Ways to Die will fade. And then the last one, which is Pro-toma- Protomatics. I don't know why I can't say that. Sorry. Um, it is very very specky in the view of both of my guests. Um, I thought. Claude was going to say that the entire thing was a red flag. Not quite, but he did say that, you know, director sale is a bit of a red flag. Um, Very, very specky, a lot of work to do. He'd avoid it for now, and Luke would wait as well. There's no need to necessarily get on right at the ground floor, wait to see them prove up some of their med technologies, I think was the view. All right, guys. I hope I haven't misrepresented anything today. Luke Winchester from Meriwether Capital. Always a pleasure. Claude Walker from A Rich Life. I'll let you get back to it. It, It's almost Friday drink time. Just think of it like that. (laughs) Right? Have a good weekend. So
0: much work to go. (laughs) Thank you for watching everyone. Thanks
1: indeed. Take care. And uh, look, if you're watching, have any picks that you'd like our expert guests to mull over, give us a call, buy, hold, or sell. You can email us at osbiz.co, call picks, fill out the form and we'll get it on air for you. Stay with us.